Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that's like boogers, except boogers have calories and taste. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. I am your host, Brian Levine, in a hot summer evening here in uh, Concord, North Carolina. In tonight's show, in Pipe Parts, going to do a little refresher on uh, on some of the uh, some of the cuts of tobaccos. Go through the cuts, and I'll try to explain a little bit of why they do each cut. My guest tonight is an American pipe maker living in Germany. His name is James Gilliam. We'll talk to James. That was uh, pre-recorded uh, 10, 12 days ago. Yeah. And we'll have James. Music from Dom Flemons. Hit the mailbag and a uh, rant at the end of the show. All that coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Oh, plus I got a little Father's Day gift guide in there for you, too. So, uh Weekend is over. Daughter is officially graduated from high school. And uh, <laughs> what does a marching band kid do after she's graduated from high school? Uh, she gets up on Monday and Tuesday mornings early and goes and helps out with the mini band camp for uh, next year's marching band. But anyway, we had a uh, had a very busy four days with uh, relatives, family, friends coming in and had a big party here at the house on Sunday, and the house has almost recovered from that. Um, happened to pick the hottest day of the year for the party, but that's okay. It worked out great. She had a great time. All graduated. Wife and I now have a college graduate and a high school graduate, so uh, shortly we should have an empty nest, which in my opinion means smaller house or more pipe smoking space for me, but... Anyway, all right, let's get the show rolling. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company, and here we go. This is Internet Radio. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for a variety, and if you're looking for someone with reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for cupofjoes.com. CupofJoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. CupofJoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson Pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly Pipes. Check out their remodeled website at CupofJoes.com and be sure to like them on Facebook, CupofJoes.com. Quality products at extraordinary prices. 
So for tonight in Pipe Parts, it was prompted by a discussion about uh, about two weeks ago from a from a regular listener and a friend of mine who wanted to know why do we have so many different kinds of cuts of tobaccos. All right, so the basic ones are, and we'll go through them as quickly as I can. A shag cut is a very fine, very fine cut. It's almost it's a really narrow, long, stringy cut, and the shag cut is going to be a little faster burning than what a ribbon cut is. And a ribbon is a shag cut, just cut wider. Now, the ribbon and the shag cuts are a little more difficult to pack because of the length of the tobacco, and you can run the chance of getting a knot in there. But again, they're they're meant to ignite easy, but at the same time, smoke a little slower. The shag cut's going to smoke a little faster. Uh, two other versions, a cross cut and a crimp cut. A uh, crosscut is where the tobacco is kind of square pieces. You'll see that traditionally in a lot of uh, in a lot of Cavendish or aromatic blends. It's a crosscut. It uses more of the tobacco leaf because a shag or a ribbon needs the length of the leaf, but it uses more of the leaf, so it's a little more economical usually. Uh, the crosscut and the crimp cut are very easy to pack because there's no long stringy pieces. It's also a little bit easier to get a full mixture of the blend in the crosscut and the crimp cut. Uh, uh, the difference between a crimp and a crosscut is the crimp may have been pressed into a cake and you'll see little tiny chunks of cake still in there. So they call it a crimp cut. It's very similar to one further down called the cube cut. Uh, and cube cut is a very old style, going back to the 1940s and 50s and 60s. And it's kind of a self-filling blend where you just kind of sprinkle the stuff in there. You don't need to pack it. It's little tiny cubes of pressed tobacco already flavored or already uh, already topped. And it's supposed to be easy to pack. Now that style has gone out of favor because... Uh, it wasn't, you know, it's not the best for customizing your tobacco. You pretty much got one style. Um, so now we got the cross cut and the crimp cut and a cube cut. A broken flake is a flake tobacco that's been pressed and cut but has been, is no longer in the regular flake slices. And the reason it may not be that way is because the blend itself is not conducive to holding together in flakes. Sometimes you need, in a flake tobacco, you need to add a little bit of a casing to it to help it to hold together. And when I mean a casing, just a, just a sweetener of some sort that helps it hold together and helps that knife cut right through it when they're cutting the flakes. So a broken flake is a way to get or replicate the taste of a flake tobacco without having to add that casing to it or without having to worry about cutting it dead on clean. Now when you get a broken flake, you may want to further rub it out a little bit, but that's up to you. Or you may just want to do the tuck and fold or pack it as neatly as you can. Uh, plugs. Plugs are just square bricks of the actual tobacco, un unsliced, and all you do is you take your knife and cut off pieces as you go and cut it the way you want it. You can cut a slice with it if you've got a really sharp knife, or you can just cut off shavings of it, and there you go. Uh, a plug cut was, again, that was really popular back in the same time as like the ropes and uh, uh, tobaccos where you could you know, carry them simply, cut off pieces as you wanted them. Same thing with the rope again. 
Now, the, the discussion began really in versions of tobaccos that come in flake and ready rub. And what is a ready rub? It's just quite simply that. It's a flake tobacco that has been pressed into cakes, then sliced, and then spun out. And you'll hear that term used occasionally when you're talking to tobacco people about spinning out a tobacco. All they do is they take the flakes, they run it through a specific cutter that spins it out and creates that ready rub so that you get the process of the tobacco being a cake and pressed, and then it's another step to spin it out even further so that way you don't have to rub it out when you're done. It's all ready rubbed. So there you go. Let me know if you got any questions. Email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a minute, my conversation with James Gilliam. Craftsmanship, history, tradition. These are the hallmarks of all quality products, from the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany. Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Baron Tobacco Company, and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years. Ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Barron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Barron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Hi, my name is Eileen Saatchi from MarketingPipes.com. If you attend the major pipe shows or buy pipes on eBay, chances are you know my dad, Hank Saatchi, or eBuyer1932. My dad has been a pipe collector for over three decades and a reseller on eBay for the last 12 years. His new website is marketingpipes.com. At marketingpipes.com, you will find high-quality, hand-picked pipes. Carvers, join my dad's vast network of collectors across the globe and let my dad promote your brand. Collectors, consign your pipes at affordable commissions or buy your next collectible pipe at marketingpipes.com. Thank you. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, and uh, joining me on the phone from, uh, uh, you're in the Stuttgart area of Germany, correct? Yes. Is uh, pipe maker James Gilliam, and uh, you have a a wonderful American accent, considering you live in Germany, so why don't you tell us all where you grew up and uh, how how you got started smoking a pipe? Okay, well, I grew up in... A lot of the area was in, in the panhandle of Texas, South Texas, and West Texas. The majority of the time of my life was spent in the deserts of West Texas, which was a lot of fun. Um, ended up moving around quite a bit as a young child because uh, my dad worked in the oil field, and in the 80s, the oil field really wasn't a great place to be working at if you wanted to stay in one place for a very long period of time. <laughs> when I was, geez, I guess, 15, 16, we finally moved to a little town outside Midland, Odessa, called Monahans, 
and it kind of stuck. Um, and I ended up staying there for a few years. Actually, it was the first time, I think, in my entire school period that I started a grade and finished it in the same school, um, and that was my junior year. Wow. Um, yeah. But we moved around a lot. I think I had 16 different schools was what I had to put on my first uh, round of interview information um, whenever I was going in to join the Navy. Um, and what happened was is in West Texas, there's, there's not a whole lot to do unless you want to end up being the assistant to the assistant night manager after high school, um, <laughs> go to college and study something you really didn't know that you wanted to study, or um, go into the oil field. And I just didn't want to do the oil field, and I figured the military would be a decent way to go about doing things because I heard they got to stay places like two to three years at a pop. And I thought, man, that has just got to be a sweet gig. And um, joined the Navy uh, because I didn't want to go to college um, and went off to Florida for a while, uh, learned how to uh, do my job, which was a cryptologic technician, um, and then... Uh, wait, wait, state. back up. A cryptologic technician. Technician, yeah. Okay, fill us in, because that sounds like a mystery. It kind of was. Um, they, they they gave us these cards and told us to read stuff, um, and, and then we weren't allowed to talk about it, but it was really funny because um, whenever I was at the uh, recruiter's office, I guess the MEP station, um, what I wanted to be was an aviation electronics technician, and all the schools just happened to be full when I was going in. And uh, so he said, you know, have you ever done drugs? And I'm like, no. And he said, if we ask any of your friends, will they say no? And I'm like, yep. And I'm like, goes, well, I got the job for you. I'm like, cool, cool. And he let me read this one card that explained it. And when I read it, it sounded like a, a secretary at the time. And, you know, being 18 years old, that really, or 17 at the time, it really wasn't what I wanted to do was be a typist. And I uh, said, so that's not for me. What else you got? And he gave me this thing was CTR slash T. And I'm like, well, what's the difference in the two? And he goes, well, I really don't know. Um <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you what they do. And he goes, what they do is the main job is they go to different ships and they watch people work and they take notes. And I'm like, my interest was piqued, mainly because I got to watch people work and take notes and notice there was no work to be done by me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, well, that, that, that'll work. Let me do that. Well, whenever I got to Pensacola, um, the way they they decided if you were an R brancher or a T brancher at the time was they would line up. They lined us all up against the wall, and they went down there and went R T R T R T, and I just happened to be where the R's were at. Um, and I spent, I think, the next four to five months um, learning Morse code, which was uh, a lot of fun. And um, and then finally got done with that after a while and got to go to a, a special school that we called direct support which was what this guy had explained where you got to go watch people work and take notes but what i found out when i got to my first ship was you didn't do a lot of watching you did a lot of working <laughs> and uh, somebody else was the one that took the notes <laughs> so it was all a lot of fun um you know it ended up sticking with that for 20 years, changed jobs in the same career field uh, five or six times um, just because of the, the nature of progression with any job. Um, ended up being an intelligence analyst, uh, all fusions, all source analyst, 
and um, decided that, you know, about, I guess it was 15 years in that it was time to go to school. Um, went to college uh, at night, and, uh, geez, what, what happened then? Then I retired um, and went to look for more work afterwards and, and got lucky and found the gig as a contractor um, working for uh, European Command in Stuttgart, Germany. And uh, after the contract gig was up, got offered a job working for the communications directorate and did that for a few years. And then I got offered another job working for another command in the intelligence directorate. And that's where I'm at until um, we're probably going to end up moving next year and doing something different and see what else life brings on. Um, let me back up just a little bit and say thank you for calling me and letting me be a part of your show. Oh. I should have said that first, but I got carried away with me for a while. No, well, you're more interesting than I am. Uh, <laughs> when did you start smoking a pipe in all this? Um, my second duty station uh, was a, a little base in Augsburg, Germany, um, and I happened to meet a little lady there that I've been married to for 27 years almost 28 and um her brother smoked a pipe and her uncle smoked a pipe and and they bought me this Meerschaum pipe when i was 21 i think it was um the whole family went in and bought me this really sweet pipe and kind of got hooked on it um throughout my travels in the navy i always carried tobacco with me and and uh, a pipe and, and when you're at, at sea and, and you've done work your you know, 14 to 16 hour day, um, you can go out to certain areas, of, or you could at the time, go onto certain areas of the ship and light up a bowl and chat with folks. And there was always, usually some other pipe smoker on board and um, could always share tobacco and trade stories and, and, and do all that um, kind of good stuff. Um, and then uh, to the other part of your question was, you know, how did you get into it? Well, you know, all those travels with the pipes all over the, the globe, they kind of got beat up, some of them, but I never really threw any of them away, um, and and since I work in, in a uh, kind of like a soft skills kind of job, I was a computer programmer for a while, and I'm basically a systems engineer now, um, there's nothing that you do at the end of your day that, where you can actually say, look what I did. Um, and I was bored one weekend and, and figured, well, shoot, let's see if I can't fix one of those pipes that I've been carried around everywhere and it got beat up. So I pulled out my trusty little cordless drill, went and bought a small drill bit because the mouthpiece of this W.O. Larson pipe that I loved was airway was just a little constricted. And my lovely wife said, what in the world are you doing? And I'm like, I'm going to widen this baby out. <laughs> Luckily, I drilled it, and I didn't break nothing. I didn't ruin the drill, the mouthpiece. And uh, I'm like, well, this is pretty cool. Um, then I cleaned a few of them, and then shortly thereafterwards, I went looking on the Internet and ran across uh, some other fellow that lived in Midland um, named Tyler that had put a whole bunch of videos on the network when he first started making pipes. And... Uh, uh, watched them and i'm like well shoot i could do this i don't have a lathe but you know i could get a drill press for a little couple of dollars and i can go buy me a bench grinder and convert it and um did that and uh for a while <laughs> into um 
just started working on them and, and, and um, thought that everything that I made was just gorgeous. Now, I do have to what? warn everybody at home, do not attempt to open up your your airways and your stems without knowing what you're doing or a little practice, because uh, you can shoot a hole right through the top of the stem fairly easily. And right into your hand if you're not real careful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. be the first time. So... As I was doing all the, the learning part of it, I would come in from, I used to have this folding table that um, you would have in a workshop. I, I basically screwed the drill press on there and screwed my uh, converted bitch press on there, and I'd come in and my wife would say, what'd you do? I'm like, well, I, I was just filing my nails, honey. It's okay. It's just a little bit of blood. Don't worry about it. It'll, it'll clear up soon. <laughs> So it was good to it was good to get out from behind a computer and behind a desk and do something physical and actually see some change after you had worked on it. Correct. Um, and then you know, I made a few and went on leave and uh, or vacation basically went home to see my mom and dad and, and I noticed that Tyler had lived forty minutes from where my parents lived at the time. So you know we flew in once and I asked him if I could come by. Um, bring some of my masterpieces with, with me and, and let him look at them. And he did, and uh, didn't laugh. So <laughs> that, was, that was all good. I'm pretty sure he's going to laugh now if he, if he had to look at them again. I know I do. Um, I still got my first pipe, by the way, and still smoke it every once in a while, but my gosh, is it ugly. Um, but so be it. Uh, so let's go back to your own pipe smoking for a minute here, because you yep. were, you were traveling all over the world when you were when you first picked up the pipe. Uh, did you try all different kinds of tobaccos, or did you start off with aromatics and move around from there? Or? I basically started off with aromatics. Um, it's kind of funny. Um, everywhere that I went, uh, my mother-in-law would always mail us a care package. Um, usually it had diapers and then pipe tobacco in it. For you know, we, had a, we had a child by then. Um, and it was 95% of the time was, was some aromatic from the local pipe shop uh, in Miltenburg, Germany, which was, um, had, had a great selection. Um, they would go to the Czech Republic and pick up something from the Czech Republic and mail it to me. Um, it, <laughs> the Czech Republic tobacco was good, and it was a Virginia. I didn't know it was a Virginia at the time, but it, it tasted like hay, smelt <laughs> like hay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, and uh, you know, and and pick me up a little basket pipe from there, and, and it was always good. Uh, when we was in the Middle East, um, pipe tobacco was usually hard to come by, but you could always get some counterfeit ch um, Cuban cigar, which was all, was also okay. Um, and then uh, in in England, well, in Scotland, when we lived there, it was. Uh, Edgeworth, Ready Rubbed, I think is what they had most of the time when I was there. And then, my, again, my mother-in-law would mail stuff up every once in a while. Um, and then when, when we was in Maryland, I ran across uh, uh, Fader um, yeah. in Annapolis and um, uh, got to enjoy, got introduced to 14K, um, which was the pipe tobacco that I really, really loved and, and smoked that by the pound um, and used to mail order it whenever we went back to the UK um, and that guy Spider that passed away a couple of years ago yeah um, 
he's the guy that I used to always call up and deal with, and, and, and it was always a treat to chat with him. Um, but nowadays, um, I'm more of a flake guy. Um, not flaky, but flake tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and have enjoyed the different periques and the uh, various Virginias, and um, very, very rarely do I have a loose tobacco anymore. So you you've come over to the uh, to the dark side of Perique and uh, have have found real flavor. Yes, I have, um, and I think the there's one I really like. Um, I think you like it, and then uh, Glenn Quelch in England. You interviewed yep. him a while back. His Ask with Cake. Um, I really like that on a on a cold winter night. That's a, a nice tobacco to have. It's a real nice um, heavy Perique blend. We'll take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, pipe making. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at one 888 366-0345 and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are smokingpipes.com. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. This is Internet Radio. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and uh, visiting with James. So, all right, so you, you started off making a few pipes for yourself. Uh, what was the hardest part of pipe making for you to get a handle on at the start? Drilling straight. <laughs> I don't think the first the first couple ones were very good. I mean, the, sometimes the the, the 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 airway the bit that I'm using to drill the airway would come out the side of the bowl. Um, I didn't buy the best uh, drill press in the world. I bought a little cheap one at the little hardware store. And, and every time you would go to press down on it, you know, it, the, the little tray, the table that, the, that you would have the briar sitting on would end up giving way, and it was always a chance if, if it would end up in the middle or not. Um, but it worked out okay. I still have all ten fingers um, and, and only a few scars that, that I'll never get rid of, so it's not too bad. So you managed to fix the stem in your own pipe okay, but when it came time with a press, you were going sideways sometimes. Yeah, sure was. Um, like I said, it wasn't the best drill press in the world. Uh, it got a little bit better. I ended up, I think about a year into it, um, I kind of got a little bit more bitten into the hobby itself um, and, and 
bought me a little lathe um, that I've been using for the last five years. And then, of course, you know, you sell a pipe here, sell a pipe there, and then, you know, what can you do with it? You know, it's not about um, I don't have to feed my family with, with what I do. Um, I don't have to pay rent with what I do. It's a matter of, a matter of, of having a good time, relaxation, and things of that matter. So, you know, you sell a pipe, you know, you buy a better chuck for your, for your lathe. Um, you sell another pipe, you buy a quick change toolkit or, you know, for, for your cross slide. Um, you sell a pipe, you know, you, you buy, you know, the, the $100 drill bit that, that you really want. I mean, it's not a cheap hobby to get into, so you can't really just jump into it and buy everything. You just piecemeal it. You know, and after years of, of doing stuff, um, you have a pretty good little workshop, and um, you actually have a lot of fun. And, and like yesterday, I was drilling some pipes and ended up in shaping. Ended up doing like I think four. Um, there's a, a guy I'm working with over here to do like a little collaboration type effort, and I'm doing the drilling and the shaping, and he's going to do the rustication on it, and um, you know, and then I'm going to do the stems for it. And you know, as you move, as you get progressively get a little bit better at what you're working on you change the materials you're working with you know initially you would i thought i was getting a good deal when i was paying 15 dollars for a pre-cut stem um you know because they were expensive over here i still got three or four of them left and never used them um and then you know you go to the rod stock and you get you know the sem or nyh um then you figure out how to drill them you figure out how to shape them and then, you know with each individual one it changes just a little bit until you settle on whatever style that you want to go with. Um, and I decided that a couple of years ago. Uh, I really like the Army mount or military mount, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And so 95% of the pipes that I do are, are push stem um, with the Army mount. And so everything that I do is set to those specific measurements. Um, they all have a, a disc on them. Uh, they're all fishtails. So, I mean, um, you pick what you like. And, and if other people like them, which that has tended to be the case um then somebody will bomb and then you can go and buy some more wood or buy some more briar or pick up some exotic wood materials or some well you can't get ivory no more um not well you can but um we we don't know anything about that <laughs> the white stuff yes <laughs> and um you know that you get better you just keep getting better materials and, and you work with it i mean I enjoy the entire aspect of what it is. It's, it's relaxation for me after a long day or a long week. That um, I will say I've probably got the best wife in the world because I'll come home from a long day of work and she'll send me downstairs for an hour um, to unwind, do a little bit of sanding, not cut nothing off, and come upstairs and, and you know eat dinner. She's she may be the best wife in the world, but she's also very smart too. Cause she'd rather you go abuse the wood downstairs than grumble at her. Yeah, so it's worked out real good. You know, in days that I don't feel like it, she'll ask me three or four times, "Don't you want to go downstairs? <laughs> like, am I bothering you? <laughs> you know, maybe I want to sit upstairs and be with you, honey." But no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> She's been good about it. You know, the kids have told me several times, it's like, you, you like really need to like take a breath and look up. You've been down there all day. Um, I think most guys run into this, that, you know, they get so more, far into it. You know, I'll be up in 10 minutes, and then it's an hour and a half later, and the dinner's cold. Um, so I've made myself a little clock to put on the wall down here um, <laughs> about a year ago. It doesn't have an alarm, which which makes me... Still late every once in a while because I do tend to get carried away at what I'm working on, um, but it's not too bad. It's gotten a lot better over the years. 
So the website to see some of the pipes is jsecpipes.com, and I'm skimming through them. And do you, do you think because because this is a, a a part-time thing or a hobby kind of a a relaxation thing for you that that makes you not worry about having to conform exactly to a shape chart or yeah, you're you're allowed to take creative liberties with some of the shapes. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, I just I was working on. I don't do very many commissions, but I do do some. Um, one of the guys that I sold the pipe to wanted to. Uh, he wrote a book and he wanted a special pipe made for him. He wanted an author made that was real long, smooth. Um, gave me the basic idea of how he wanted it stained and uh, the grain. Um, the pipe just wasn't there. It had to either be sandblasted or rusticated. Um, you know, and after working on it for I think a week and a half, and and I sent him the pictures and said, you know, I'm sorry, but it, it, this is just not a go. Um, and he's like, no problem. He ended up picking another pipe off the website when I was fine with that, and I'll I'll finish the author looking pipe here in a couple of days, and you know, post pictures of that because it rust, rusticated. It looks really nice, um, but it has had it had too many sand pimples. I call them. Um, it just wouldn't have been a very good smooth pipe. But, you know, because it is a hobby, I, I get to pick what I do, when I do it, how I do it. Um, you know, I, I like eggs. I like blowfish. Um, I like a lavat every once in a while. So, I mean, I can do what I want to do. I like rustication, rusticating the pipes. And I've come up with this rustication that I call the re-rustication that has really taken off, and people like it. So, you know, I enjoy doing it. People like buying them. Um, I've got, I think, three or four of them myself. I've even taken some of my shop pipes and rusticated them with that same rustic that it's that going around the bowl rustication. Yeah. Um, with it because it's it's a nice feel and, and uh, whenever you're working down here, um, you know you got uh, files and knives and everything else on the table and you don't have to worry about scratching the pipe up because you're not going to hurt a rusticated pipe. The worst thing you're going to do is drop it and have it snap in half. Um, and even in that, if that happens, you can just glue it back together and <laughs> smoke it some more. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first pipe I glued back together. <laughs> uh, is there a shape of a pipe that you're just fighting with ever, with getting it to a way, getting it to a level that you're comfortable with? Billiards. Um, and the billiard family. I spend hours uh, getting them right. Some guys will tell you that it's the easiest one in the world after you figure it out. Um, I got lucky enough, I think uh, it was a year or so ago, I was in between two business trips and got stuck in London for the weekend and went to go visit Chris Asquith down in Plymouth, you know, and I brought some of my tools. He wanted me to show him some stuff. Um, I wanted him to show me some stuff, and the thing I wanted him to show me was, you know, how do you make a billiard <laughs> from the Englishman's point of view? And, uh, you know, he just kind of chuckled, and he goes, you know, it's the easiest shape in the world. Why do you want to learn that? <laughs> like, because I can't do it right. And it takes me hours to get it right. And, and he showed me. And, and uh, when we went to the uh, British Pipe Smoking Contest last year, I had the few billiards on the table that I had done prior to our visit and a few after the visit. And, and he could pick out the ones that I did. He goes, yeah, this was before me, this was after me. And they got, he got it right for every one of them. So, you know, it's a good thing. Um, I think that the, the hobby itself is awesome because everywhere you go or everywhere I go, there's always somebody. I'll look up when I travel somewhere and see who's in the area, and you know, 95% of the time you know, people will let you come by and you can trade secrets and trade craft and, and, and chat and, and uh, enjoy life. But you know, the billiard is, is 
this is a heart heart shape. I love the egg, and the egg is not much different. It's just a little bit more wood off a different place of the bowl. Um, and uh, but you know, it, it's it's me, I guess. I had a uh, artist friend of mine explain to me that the hardest thing to do is to make a circle. Yeah. <laughs> there's just there's just too many too many places to go wrong with it, but it's a very simple shape. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling on one right now that's to be rounder than what it is and you know every time you get one little dent out there's another one there and you go back to the sanding disc or then you go back to the slack belt sander and you, you get it fixed right and then you know there's a little bitty scratch after staining it and you go to strain the scratch to get that scratch out and now it's not perfectly around no more around perfectly enough round um to where you end up going back and i had one that i did uh, not too long ago that was a brandy when it started out and it's a billiard now <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's the clue start off going for a brandy and it ends up a billiard exactly when you get what you want uh how do you stamp your pipes um i have two different stamps and there's a little story to that whenever i was first starting you know i was trying to figure out uh you know how can i brand myself um and uh i I picked JSEC is um, the the stamp that I have, and, and I was telling, talking to my my son at the time. He was, jeez, uh, he's twenty one now, so he would have been sixteen at the time. And um, he said, "Well, yeah, I'll draw you up some designs." Cause I had an idea. I wanted to anchor in there because I was in the Navy, and I wanted the three and the four initials because it stands for everybody in my family: me, my wife, my daughter, and my son. Um, and and he drew up two little stamps, and those are the two I use. One is JSEC with an anchor on it. That's more of a, a, a one stamp. The other one is a, a big J with a little S, um, and then an E and the C on both sides. And it just depends upon what mood I'm in for that in each <laughs> individual pipe on how I stamp it. So, so by having the anchor on it, it does not mean that it's approved for ocean travel. It can be. I had a guy bought one um, in Afghanistan. Uh, it was so funny. He wrote me and he goes, "Hey, you, I want this pipe, but you stamped it with the with the the, um, the stamp without the anchor on it." He goes, "I want it with the anchor." I'm like, "Well, I can stamp it twice." And he goes, "Yeah, do that." I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he got it and he was happy with it. Uh, and real quick before we finish up, Ed, what's the biggest difference between living in Germany and? living in the in the states the fruit tastes different um it has more flavor to it every time i go to the states and go get an orange or something it, it doesn't taste like an orange <laughs> when i get an orange over here it tastes like an orange um i don't know maybe they use less gene manipulated food who knows or it could be that it's uh handpicked by somebody in italy where it was grown probably or spain probably some young some young maiden was just out to sell her oranges <laughs> roaming, roaming along the uh, coastal, uh, the coastal waters of Spain, and picking oranges. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yep. What is your favorite pipe? I have a speckled egg that I made a couple of years ago. Um, it's a rusticated pipe that I do. Um, uh, you basically rusticate it, sand it over, and then different stains. Um, I've carried that thing halfway around the globe, um, and 
it's just my go-to carry pipe everywhere. Um, it's comfortable, real thin bit, and um, I like it. <laughs> and what's your favorite tobacco? Um, a Virginia Perique or a uh, or, or Virginia Flake. It, it just goes in between the two. I mean, when I'm in the workshop, I use Orlick Golden Slices and um, McCraney. No, not McCraney's. Um, Red Cake from McClellan. Yep. Do a 50-50 mix. And it's a real nice workshop mix when I'm out and about. Depends on what country I'm in, what the climate is like, um, if it's too hot or too cold. But it's usually a Virginia Perique or a Virginia. What is your favorite drink? Beer. All right. Well, you're in you're in Germany. <laughs> uh, just any beer whatsoever. So a Coors Light's good for you? No, oh, okay. no, no, no. I I drink the local indigenous brands. Um, wherever I'm at. Um, I like an IPA in England. I like Weizen beer over here. Um, in the States, I usually like to get a small brewery IPA. Um, it just depends. Yeah, beer. And every time I go to Europe, the beer tastes so much better because I, I think they literally pour it right out of the... You know, they, they brew it and then pour it right into a keg, and then four minutes later, you're drinking it. Exactly. Uh. It's fresh. Uh, when it's time to relax, is it a book, a movie, or music? Usually music, um, down in the workshop. And hiding away, just listening to music work. and working on wood. Yep. And last question, do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking memory that we haven't hit on yet? Yeah, I do. Um, I used to, whenever I would go home, meet up with my dad when he was still alive, um, sitting out in the in the uh, little gazebo that we had, carport-type area, um, talking about life and our adventures and, and, and just philosophizing about everything under the sun, um, smoking a pipe and watching the sun go down. And that was out in uh, West Texas where the sun takes yeah, forever to go down? Exactly. Yeah. For people to get a hold of you, just head to the website, and there's a uh, contact spot there. And then face, I think on the website there's a Facebook link, and then there's a Twitter link and Instagram link. Like everybody else, the the, the um, social media sites work real good, um, but normally it's just an email. It works also. James, thank you very much for uh, taking the time out of your Sunday to visit with us, and uh, we'll keep an eye on your pipes it was my pleasure thanks for uh, um, chatting with me we'll be back in just a minute it's Saturday morning at the crack of dawn the cool chill of night still clings to the air as the sun slowly rises over the misty surface of the lake you've waited all week for just this moment you know that today is going to be epic. Everything is here to ensure perfection. From the nice full cooler packed with your favorite suds to the other empty one, waiting to be filled with piles of freshly caught fish. Reaching into your pocket, you pull out your trusty briar and fill it with your favorite tobacco, aptly named Great Outdoors. It is the perfect smoke for moments like these. A strike, a flash, and your tobacco is lit. As the delicious mixture ignites and swirls over your tongue and the deep, rich burleys with a hint of sweet Virginia dance in your mouth, you smile. Casting your first line into the water, the slowly widening ripples begin to stir 
as you feel the first bite of the day tug at your line. Now you know it truly is going to be a good day and a perfect time to enjoy the simple yet unmatchable pleasures of the great outdoors. Great Outdoors is another fine quality pipe tobacco manufactured by Sutliff, America's oldest tobacco company, and is available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Enjoy your perfect day by purchasing a tin today. Celebrate the history, culture, and future of the pipe at the 16th Annual Pipe and Tobacco Expo. Unique tobaccos and smoking accessories, plus thousands of fascinating pipes for sale and trade. Admission is free. Argosy Casino. For more info, go to gkcpipeclub.com. Welcome back. Uh, you will be able to see both me and James Gilliam at the uh, pipe show this weekend in Kansas City. Yeah, the Argosy Casino, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, festivities start Friday night, so if you're in the Kansas City area, please make sure and stop by the Argosy Casino. All right, tonight for music, we're uh, swinging, uh, switching gears again and going back to uh, my friend Dom Flemons. And this one is uh, is a tribute song that he did from uh, it's a it's a Papa Charlie Jackson song. It's called "Loan Me Your Heart" and uh, found it on a compilation CD. And I really like it. I hope you will too. So here you go. Pardon me, lady. Yes, sir. I got something I want you to loan me. Oh, I've heard that one before. Ain't no mommy. Ain't no Cadillac. Ain't no element. Ain't no baby scion. What's it like a scion? Now, I wouldn't ask you for your money. Because you know I ain't gonna ask you to be my honey. Now, everybody's asking me now what I'm asking you to loan me. Well, honey, I'm gonna tell you. I'll pay you back 
just reminds me of one of those fun summer times sitting on the front porch and it's hot outside smoking a pipe and uh plucking on a banjo kind of song anyway i thought it was a lot of fun you daddy has an email in the mailbag all right real quick john seiler writes yes we stick with what we like i like dill's pipe cleaners and prefer them that's in reference to pipe parts and what are you particular about uh, I like all kinds of tampers, but usually just use a pipe nail from my pocket. If I lose it, who cares? Pipes, I like bents. They are primarily Italian, although English is in second place. No filters in any pipes. Lighters, a Bic will do. I like more moist tobaccos, except in a magnum-sized pipe where it needs to be dry. My everyday smoke, McClellan 5100, sits in a plastic bag on the desk, which is filled as needed. I guess I am particular. Uh, of course, I know Jason Dagner from his YouTube videos to his table at Chicago being close to Bill and mine. His reviews are the real thing. They're opinions as they smoke. I saw the Dagner pipes at Chicago. They will have their audience, but are a bit small for me. Good interview. Music, Dan Locklear is always good. Bars of Blues was a good selection. Uh, rant, hmm, I only ship collectible tins of tobacco. I don't ship tobacco. Nice show, Brian. Keep up the work. And on the counterpoint, Dan Coomer, who Casey goes to, I'll see in, uh, see in 48 hours, oops, uh, writes, once most of us find something we like, we stick to it. I like longer cleaners. Pipe nails work for me, though I have a number of designer tampers. Pipes, I'm an American guy. I have to have a good lighter. I am Corona or Caribi. Uh, I prefer English tobaccos, but I don't have a strict favorite, although the McClellan Frog Mortons are quite nice. I enjoy Virginias and Vapors and Escudo being a clear favorite. So Dan's kind of all over the place. 
Uh, he goes on to write, saw the Dagners at the Chicago show and their product is not for me. The smoking hot blonde they had at the show was breathtaking. I didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't notice her. Um, at least she was from the distance. I was drooling. The Locklear music is not one of my many cups of tea. I don't tell the shipper squat. So there's a theme there. Uh, Shane Teeks writes, really enjoyed the show. Very interesting to get to know Jason through this. Met him in Chicago and thought he was cool. I would buy a Dagner in May in the future. Uh, Setters Brace writes, the discussion on airflow perked my ears up a bit. Maybe this isn't just another YouTube sensation with a beard. It seemed to me that there's more to this pipe maker than many will give credit to. I'll be watching closely, and Jason's attitude toward the everyman price point is refreshing and brilliant at the same time. Better get in on the ground floor with Dagner Pipes because I predict a quick rise uh, to pipe making stardom. Uh, on the, uh, I was, yeah, I was really interested in his discussion about airflow. And at the same time, I was uh, really excited by his idea of keeping prices and uh, making it easy for everybody. Uh, Jax Willing writes, his life story was most interesting. He was, is a skater who was, is a motorhead fabricator and worked his way up the ladder at a power plant. His major injury and survival and recovery and rehabilitation are remarkable. I was impressed by him in the interview and as a harsh critic of his YouTube videos, I would go back and edit my post. Not because I think the videos are meritorious, but because both he and his pipes are the real deal. Yep, real people. Uh, and that's what's kind of fun about him. Um, R. Blood writes, interesting guy and great interview. He seems like a very focused young man who knows what he wants and goes after it. I have a feeling he is going to be a force in the pipe community for quite some time to come. Uh, Roll Dog says, great show. First time I listened in. Welcome aboard. Even though I've been on this board for about two years now, I enjoy watching the Dagners. Found them three years ago on a Google search and haven't looked back. As much as I thought I knew about Jason, I still learned something new. The fact that he has a spinal injury, a compressed L5 with permanent nerve damage, just like me, well, it forged an unexpected new connection. Yeah, isn't it fun how we can still learn new stuff about people, even though we think we know them completely? Uh, Lord of the Pipe Rings writes, oh boy, there's a whole bunch here. Uh, anyway, Lord of the Pipe Rings writes, another great interview. It was nice to hear a bit more of Jason's background and life story. I've only heard good things about the pipes, hoping he and the pipes are at the West Coast Pipe Show in November. Yes, they will be. Uh, Corn Leader, who is a new member to the forums, writes, great show. I've watched many presenters on YouTube, including the Dagners. I have one of his series, Two Pokers en Route from BC, can't wait i've watched almost every one of the dagner videos and they have really turned me on to other handmade designers i find their videos honest and the real deal very entertaining once again great show and last but not least peck and paw ombre writes i enjoyed the interview he is a likable guy i will admit i was a little suspicious at first of the whole dagner thing but i'm coming around it's uh and then he uh, posted a link to one of his videos and real quick, because uh, Father's Day is this Sunday, I had a couple of ideas. Uh, idea number one, every pipe smoker ends up eventually getting the silly little bull with the horns pipe. So if your uh, pipe smoker friend or father that you're getting a gift for doesn't have one of those, 
<laughs> Everybody needs one of those bowls with the horns. Uh, pipe tampers. As, as a couple of them said, pipe nails. Hey, just get them a handful of pipe nails. They're cheap, and we can always use them. Uh, here's a suggestion from me. An asbestos blanket. Yeah, an asbestos blanket, or maybe one of those, uh, maybe one of those aprons that the uh, that the gas can guys wear in NASCAR. I could wear one of those while laying in my reclining chair, and then that way, if anything sparks out of the bowl, or if I happen to fall asleep, <laughs> it's covered. Um, a single pipe rest. I have a couple of them. I haven't talked about them much, but just a single pipe rest, and because the weather's nice now here in the northern hemisphere, just a single pipe rest to sit on the front porch with place to rest your pipe so that way you don't have to worry about uh, worry about the pipe getting beat up but just a, a small single pipe rest is great um completely out of the pipe realm but my three sons the uh, fred mcmurray show from the 1950s and 60s the dvds might be fun for a father that smokes a pipe because fred mcmurray was smoking a pipe in all of them uh, and because john seiler is so poor that he's got his tobacco in plastic bags how about a nice leather pouch? Because it is summertime and we are traveling and a nice leather roll-up pouch will help keep your tobacco nice and fresh. Uh, the other thing that us pipe smokers can always use is uh, pipe cleaners. Yeah, whatever size or shape or brand you prefer, pipe cleaners. And if they don't like them, you can always use them for arts and crafts for the kids. Alright, in just a minute, hey, rant time. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenet's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment, so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. This is Internet Radio. Cowboy. Cowboy. Well, three weeks ago today, I arrived in Denmark. And, uh, you know, they say there's uh, three things you don't talk about with uh, friends or whatever. Politics, religion, and money. I'm going to tackle politics because 
Three weeks ago today, when I arrived in Denmark, the following day, Wednesday, they announced the beginning of their national elections. And I'm going to screw this up because I don't know all the technical details of it, but essentially what they did was the parliament announced that they were going to hold their national elections and they announced that it was going to be like 45 days from that day or 30 days, whatever the time frame was. It was like 30 to 45 days. The entire country was ready to, all the politicians were ready to run, but they could not start politicking until the announcement of the election. And the election date had a set time for polit- for uh, for advertising and putting up signs and uh, spreading your message and doing all the, uh, you know, running for election. 30 to 45 days, and that's it. That's it. They announce the date, and it's done. Well, here in the great old United States of America, guess what? We've already got our entire electorate announcing their 2016 election, which happens on uh, the uh, Tuesday in November of 2016. Tuesday, November 2016 is the presidential election day. Now we have primary starting next January, so that's uh, six, seven months away. And then the primary season runs all the way through April, May. And then next year in November, 16, 17, 18 months away is the general election. So for the next 18 months, what do we get to hear about? We get to hear about the presidential election. I think we all ought to adopt the Danish way. 30 to 45 days and it's done. There you go. I'd love it. Wouldn't have to listen to all the baloney, except you just have to listen to my baloney. So there you go. All right, hope to see you all in Kansas City this weekend. Please make sure and spread the word about the Pipes Magazine radio show. Check out the forums in the homepage of PipesMagazine.com if you've got some extra time this Father's Day weekend to relax with and you're not at the Pipe Show with me, there are some great new articles up. Check those out. Uh, Got any questions or comments, post them on the forums, or email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. I look forward to them all. Ratings and reviews, we appreciate it. So, thank you to James. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just Sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy What is it with men and asking for directions?